Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. Listen, I'm so grateful that you've tuned in. If you are tuning in for the very first time, we give a special welcome to you as we are wrapping up the year 2020 and eagerly pressing into whatever the Lord might have in 2021. And if you are just tuning in for the first time, we are in the midst of a series of podcast episodes that are focusing and teaching through what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, why do we have them, how are we to use them, what are some of the right uses of them, what are some of the uh, regular frequent misuses or even abuses of the gifts of the Spirit. And so as a guy who came from the Baptist world, I came from the world of cessationism and um, found out a little bit later in my journey that what I had been taught on the gifts of the Holy Spirit was not biblical. Um, it was, um, I think, taught to me in the sense of unexamined tradition, that and that tradition said that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased uh, sometime around the end of the first century, vanished forever, and basically left me with the understanding that we didn't need the gifts of the Spirit anymore because we had the Bible. And all we needed to do was master the Bible in order to properly minister. Master the Bible by understanding it, by believing it, by obeying it, by teaching it, by memorizing it. And that was really all we needed. And the gifts of the Spirit, so I was taught, were to um, really establish the church before the canon of Scripture was completed. Now, I found out a little bit later that those well-intending people who taught me that were 100% absolutely incorrect, and I don't mind telling you that. It's an error. It is man's teaching because nowhere in the Scripture uh, does it teach that the gifts of the Spirit have disappeared. As a matter of fact, and we're taught that the gifts will disappear, but we're also taught when that happens, and I covered that in a previous podcast episode, but for those of you that didn't listen, uh, the ceasing of the gifts occurs when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth, and until then, guess what? All of the gifts are available to the extent that we are called and commanded in Scripture to eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that it's not to be a nonchalant, casual kind of maybe, maybe not, if I want to, if I don't want to kind of paradigm. It is, no, we're commanded as Christians to go after the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which means that we experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit in proportion on some levels to our desire for them and our pursuit of them. And that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given not to show off, not to be cool, not to be sensational, not to make, um, you know, the high ranking list of views on YouTube, TikTok or Instagram. It's none of that stuff. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are precious. They're gifts of grace given sovereignly by God, the Spirit to individual Christians for the purposes that he has to work through those Christians. And so we have covered a lot of territory. And listen, I'm not doing this because, um, you know, I, I, I need to say something. I'm doing this because something needs to be said. It's not an issue of me needing to be heard. It's an issue that these are revolutionary truths that vast swaths of Christians in the body of Christ have been taught wrongly upon. And so the only way to refute error is by teaching truth. 
and the Mavericks and Misfits podcast is releasing this series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think we're 14 messages into it now, maybe 12. I don't know how many, but I'm doing these little 30 minute spots because I, I really want you to know that you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit if you're saved. You, you don't necessarily have all of them, but you probably have a greater wealth of spiritual gifting from God than you recognize. And one of the tragedies of this age is that we're living beneath the gifting that God has given. And we don't honor him when we fail to approach this with zeal and hunger and humility. And so as we've gone through various passages of scripture, most of them, the human author is the apostle Paul. And we've spent a lot of time in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and we're going to go back there. But today we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter. So we're going to shift gears a little bit from Paul's teaching to the um, little micro shot that Peter gives in 1 Peter chapter 4 on the gifts of the Spirit. And I, I want to use Peter's words because they really... Um, amplify, support, and run parallel to what Paul was teaching. And these two guys were very different men, and yet the Holy Spirit inspires both of them to write similar things about the gifts of the Spirit. And these things that are written are for your edification, for your help, and to really to help you step in to the full personhood that God has created for you because he wants to use you. And if you're ignorant of your spiritual gifting, or if you've been deceived to believe that supernatural gifting disappeared, then you're living a life in some part according to the power of something other than the Holy Spirit. It could be relying on the flesh. It could be relying on your natural talents. It could be relying on your education, your experience, or your denominational programs. But listen, when the fires of hell come against the church, programs degrees, education, um, personal human experience, none of that's going to stand up and withstand the powers of hell. If we're going to fight a warfare in the spirit, we better be fighting with spiritual weapons. And the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to every single Christian are spiritual tools. They are in battle spiritual weapons. And you're in the army of God and you have a weapon and you need to know that you have it and you need to know how to use it. And so that's why I'm doing this series on Mavericks and Misfits. So let me read two verses out of 1 Peter 4, just two verses today. And this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, Peter, thank you. Pardon me. <clears throat> I want to get my voice ready for uh, as we're moving into this, Peter just gives a few short um, statements about spiritual gifts, but it runs parallel to what Paul teaches, and I want us to look at it. Peter does something for us that Paul uh, didn't do the same way. What Peter seems to do is, without going into great detail, he breaks the gifts of the Spirit into two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. That's helped me over the years to recognize that there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you that all spiritual gifts fit into one of those two categories, but I am saying that a bunch of them do. And one is more verbal speaking gifts, and the other is more action-oriented serving gifts. And quite frankly, we use our speaking gifts to serve, and you can have a speaking gift, but if you're not with a servant's heart, then you're not going to use it in the proper way. So all gifts are for service. But Paul is defining them primarily into gifts that rest in the realm of speaking and then gifts that rest in the realm of serving. And so let's start again with what he says. As each has received a gift, what are we to do? We are to use that gift. I think that's extremely important. Why? Because if, if you have a gift, but you're not using it, what good is it? I mean, honestly, what good is having a gift that God sovereignly chose to give you if you're not use it? And so he says this, use it to serve one another, not, not use it to make a name for yourself, not use it to get a big following, not use it to become the great woman of God or the great man of God, but use it as a servant. Your gift is in you, but it's not primarily for you. Your gift is for everybody around you. Your gift that God has given you, or gifts plural, I'm actually a proponent of saying that everybody has one spiritual gift, but most of us have multiple, and we're to use it to serve one another. And then it, notice this, we use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace or God's different types of grace. We, we use our gifts to steward what God has given us in grace. And what it does, the use of spiritual gifts honors God. When God sees you using your gifts to serve others, he is pleased. He is honored. He is glorified. It, there, there is something that happens in the infinite heart of God when we use our gifts for the right purposes that brings God great glory. As a matter of fact, Peter says that. He says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's what he said at the end of verse 11. And then again, he says, as he wrapped up that verse, he says, to him, to Jesus Christ, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this is important because everything that God does in the kingdom is for his own glory, not for our glory, not even primarily for our good. Now, it, there is our good involved, and we definitely benefit from what God does in the kingdom. That's an understatement. But primarily, God is all about God's glory, and God is not about our glory. He is about his glory. And so the gifts are just one more thing that God releases into the lives of his children to bring him glory. So if I'm taught that the charismata, that's the Greek word for spiritual gifts, if I'm taught that those things are no longer available, if I'm taught that those things no longer have a place in my life, if I'm taught that those things disappeared at the end of the first century, what do I do with the vast amounts of scripture that teach otherwise? What do I do? Because the scriptures clearly, nobody debates whether or not the scriptures authenticate the giving of the gifts and show how that they're used in the early church as, as referenced in the, in the book of Acts and in the epistles. Everybody agrees that the gifts were in the first century extremely important, even essential to the work and the ministry and the life of the local churches there revealed. Nobody debates that. But the debate is, do those gifts continue beyond the first century? Because somebody came up with a doctrine that says they stopped at the end of the first century. 
because there was a taping or tapering off of the miracles or Paul didn't reference or the other writers didn't reference as many supernatural works in the later writings that made up the Bible. And then we supposedly have large chunks of history where there were no miraculous powers. There were no supernatural giftings. And so somebody in a classroom one day said, hmm, I guess because we don't see it at the level we saw it in the book of Acts, that those gifts have disappeared. Let's start teaching everybody that the gifts no longer are available, therefore no longer necessary. And we will call ourselves cessationist, a word that is derived from the belief that the gifts have ceased, the cessation of the gifts. What's sad is whoever has gone through that kind of doctrine and believed it and promoted it, and by the way, I used to promote that because that's what I was taught. And before I was biblically informed on the subject, I taught that the gifts cease. But one of the biggies that they miss, and this is where I'm getting to, is that the gifts are tied into the glorification of Jesus Christ in every generation. Peter makes that connection. He's saying, use the gifts of the Spirit as good stewards of God's grace so that God may be glorified in everything through Jesus Christ. Why? Because to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the, the, the apostle Peter connects the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God in our generation. So when we take away the belief that the gifts are available, much less necessary, we actually diminish our ability to glorify God in our generation. And so Peter's not letting us get away with that. And so he then says this, okay, I'm going to talk to you about two categories of gifts. And this is what he says. He says, whoever speaks, speak as an oracle of God. Whoever speaks, speak as an oracle of God. Now, this is intense, and especially every time I, I, I ponder these verses, I, I get a little tremble in my spirit because personally speaking, I know that that's my, my calling, and I know it's my gifting, and I can't take any credit for either one of those things because it's all grace. The Lord gave it, but I recognize that the gifting from the Holy Spirit to speak and the gifting to understand and proclaim the word and the gifting to communicate that and the calling for all of that is attached to a level of intensity that sobers me up in a heartbeat. Especially when I read that, Jeff, if you're going to use your speaking gift, your charisma, the gift of the spirit of speaking, do it as an oracle of God. Now, that's a word we don't use a lot, oracle, but it indicates one who speaks the actual thoughts of God, one who stands and speaks boldly on behalf of God, whose yea is yea and nay is nay, who doesn't vacillate, who isn't double-minded, who when he speaks, or if you have that gift in your female, when she speaks, he or she speaks as a spokesperson of God. And so when that happens, it takes the element of casually speaking for God completely off of my grid. Because if I'm going to fulfill my calling in speaking gifts, and it's not just teaching and preaching. I believe other speaking gifts include word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, encouragement, exhortation, the gifts of tongues, the gifts of interpretation of tongues. Anything that comes out of our mouth for the glory of God that is attached to the supernatural gifting of God, 
Peter's instruction is do it as an oracle of God. And so he says, whoever speaks. So I want you to think about this, especially those of you that are in teaching and preaching and communicating, those of you that are prophetic, and that's the gift that God has given you, those of you that have uh, been used of God to release words of knowledge, and that's a, simply a gift where you communicate something there is impossible for you to have known, and they're very specific. Words of knowledge are not broad in general. They are very specific. Words of wisdom means when you release a communication that is saturated and soaked with precise wisdom for a specific situation or need. Those are, are extremely influential gifts. Literally, um, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And when we speak, we need to be very serious about what comes out of our mouth. We need, and especially if we presume to stand and speak for God. There is so much sloppiness in the world of speaking gifts in the church. It is, it is really, really alarming how many people just will casually stand up and say, I've got a word from the Lord. Um, I I believe that what the scripture teaches about speaking gifts is that there is a human element involved. There's always the perfect divine revelation. God never makes a mistake when he gives a word. Never. The written word is established and settled forever. The Bible cannot be debated and argued about. It is not to be rejected. There is never, we're not talking about the written word here. We're talking about the spoken word here. Prophetic, the rhema word, not the logos, but the rhema word, the word that is spoken in the moment. We're talking about prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Uh, there's an alarming trend where everybody wants to be the latest prophet. And so there's a lot of sloppy prophetic stuff going on. And what Peter says here is, no, if you're going to exercise a presumed speaking gift, you better do it as an oracle of God. You better do it with a full awareness that you are daring to stand and speak on behalf of the Almighty to people. You better be sure that what you are saying is from God. I'm getting like a, a tremble in my spine right now saying that. Um, I was in our prayer room yesterday, and um, I, I felt literally the Holy Spirit working a, an atmosphere of prophetic in the prayer room. We have a 24-7 prayer room in our local church, and and so there's a lot of prophetic activity that goes on in there. And so I felt the stirring myself to release some prophetic words to a couple of individuals. And um, I remember as I'm doing it, I'm feeling the sobriety, the heaviness to make sure I am partnering with God in my human participation. Because prophetic words and speaking gifts are done in a partnership of, of God on the divine side and us on the human side. And so there's never a problem with the divine revelation because God is perfect and can't make mistakes. But there is the possibility on the human side that we could hear God wrong, or if we heard him right, that we can take what was heard in the spirit and communicate it inaccurately. And so there's a great sobriety and heaviness that falls on me when I consider this gifting in the body of Christ. There's been a lot of news made about prophets in the kingdom this year getting so much of the political stuff, uh, prophetic words wrong. Now, I'll, I'll just say this. At the time of this recording, the election is still not completely certified, and I would love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm really praying for it that those prophets' words about President Trump getting reelected, I hope it comes to pass, uh, not only because I think he's the right candidate, but because I believe that those prophetic words were delivered in sincerity, and there's going to be a lot of questions that need to be answered if they got it wrong. 
Um, I didn't give any prophetic words because I didn't have any uh, concerning the election. I, I, I got nothing. And so I didn't want to be jumping on some bandwagon and saying, you know, well, um, yep, God wants President Trump reelected or God wants Joe Biden elected. I had nothing, so I said nothing. Why? Because an oracle of God not only speaks when God speaks, but he is silent when God is silent or she is silent when God is silent. And so if I didn't get a word, I'm not going to give a word. And I don't care how many people stand in line saying, give us a word, give us a word, give us a word. If I don't have one, I'm not going to give one. Why? Because that's what an oracle of God does. So especially to those of you that are younger, uh, I'm 50. So you can decide whether you comparatively are younger or not. But I, I, will, I will tell you, you, you need to be really sober about releasing words. Speaking gifts are massive influence. You influence people, their lives, their decisions, their directions, their trajectories. And a lot of people rely heavily on the words of those that teach, preach, and prophesy. Make sure that you love people enough to know that what comes out of your mouth is going to influence them. So if you have a word from the Lord, speak it precisely, prayerfully, and clearly. Develop the speaking gift so that you are accurate. You have to be accurate accurate in your teaching of the world uh, word, accurate in your preaching of exhortation about the word, accurate in rightly dividing the word of truth, accurate in hearing the voice of the Lord prophetically and speaking prophetically. The sloppiness has to end. We do great disrepute to the name of Jesus Christ when we prophesy sloppily and get it wrong. Now, everybody is subject to make mistakes, but I'm telling you, if there is a prophet that you follow that keeps getting it wrong, question their credibility. Question their credibility. They may be have a huge following, but if they keep getting it wrong or they refuse to acknowledge when they got it wrong and they excuse it, that's not a prophet worthy of you following. Why? Because he or she is not speaking as an oracle of God. Okay, so I think I've belabored that one um, pretty intensely, and I hope that you'll consider what was said. And so then Peter says this, back in 1 Peter 4, we speak with authorized confidence as an oracle of God, but we also serve with supplied power. So Peter then brings up the next category of gifts. He says, whoever serves, serve by the strength that God supplies. Okay, that sounds so general. That does not sound sensational. It almost doesn't sound spiritual because we think a Holy Spirit gift's got to have neon on it. It's got to be flashy. It's got to be kapow, you know, you know, thunder and lightning and the rolling waters and voices in heaven and angelic, you know, activity and, and all this stuff. And, and, and yet the Bible says that, no, equally valid are serving gifts. Gifts that aren't sensational that very few people argue about. What's interesting to me about my position formerly in years gone by as a cessationist, as one who believes the gift stopped, that was where I came from, I never said that the gift of serving stopped. I'm like, no, I, I regularly, as a Baptist cessationist, I would call our congregation uh, in whatever role I had at that time. I wasn't the lead pastor, but I would talk about serving, serving, serving. And we clearly marked people that had a servant's heart. We would talk all the time about the servant's heart, but we never talked about the charisma, the spiritual gift of serving. 
we just thought, oh no, man, that's a, that's a good person who's cooperative. That's a good person who doesn't like the spotlight. That's more of an introvert than an extrovert. And he or she will happily serve. And we applauded those people. We appreciated their humility. And we were at times amazed by their diligence to continue to serve in areas where there wasn't any um, overt um, enthusiasm or appreciation. And we, we failed completely to recognize that the Bible says that there's a spiritual gift of serving. And so many of you that are listening have that gift. And what's interesting is, is we're told to do it with diligence and we're told to do it in the strength that God supplies. One of the dangers of having a serving gift is that you're afraid to take a day off. You're afraid to say no. In your weaker moments, if you're serving in your flesh, you'll feel like, well, if I stop, then everything falls apart. And what's crazy, and I come from the world of local church ministry, I'm still in it. Um, it just seems like there's almost people that prey upon the servant spirit because they, they, whether knowingly or unknowingly, they just take advantage of people with the servant spirit because those people always want to say yes. You know, they always want to do what needs to be done and they always want to help and they always want to be involved and they never want to see something important go incomplete or uncompleted. And so there's this tendency to run servant spirited people uh, into the ground where they get burned out. They get, they get discouraged really easily because they're doing and doing, doing, and then they look around and you got these other people that aren't doing squat. (laughs) You know, they're not doing anything. And the servant-hearted person can say, hey, hey, I'm, I'm burning the wick at both ends. I'm burning the candle at both ends, and I'm pouring myself out. And, you know, Joe Smith over there is not doing anything, and they start looking at other people who are doing less. Well, let me give a quick word. Those of you that serve, and it literally is an elevated gift, because in one sense, all Christians are to serve. Nobody gets a free pass on servanthood. You can't say, well, I don't serve because I don't have the gift of serving. Eh. That's an illegal move in the kingdom of God. Everybody's supposed to use their gifting to serve somewhere. But for those of you whose primary gift is serving, that means you can be used in a lot of areas because God's given you a very unique and special inner sense of responsibility in the kingdom. It's amazing. And some people don't have that gift. The reason why some people never volunteer for that thing that you've volunteered for five times is because they don't see what you see. They haven't been enlightened. They haven't been equipped. They haven't been gifted by God to see everything that you see. And so you're operating in your gift, but you have to operate it according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, by the strength that God supplies. So in other words, if you're constantly burned out, you're probably using your gift in the flesh. You've gone beyond the strength that God gave you, and you're now moving in servanthood in the energy of the flesh, and you will have to get into the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, What do I continue to say yes to? What do I have permission to say no to? Because, Lord, I sense that I'm not operating in your strength, but I've gone beyond the strength that you've supplied, and now I'm weary in my flesh. And so, friends, as we think about serving, as we think about speaking, Peter is trying to tell us, use your gifts in a sense of honor and glory for Jesus Christ, for the betterment of others, And do it according to what God supplies you. If you're going to speak, do it in the confidence and the humility of an oracle of God, a mouthpiece for God. If you're going to serve, 
do it in the strength that God supplies for the glory of God and the betterment of people. But whether it is a speaking gift or a serving gift, it all ties back in to the glory of Jesus Christ in your generation. We cannot do that according to our own wisdom. We cannot do that in sloppiness. In the name of Jesus, may sloppiness disappear from Christian ministry. We are called unto excellence. Colossians 3, verse 17 and 23, teach us whatever we do, we intentionally do it for the glory of the Lord, and we do so with all of our might, and we do it in excellence. And so we, we continue to press into that because we realize that what we are releasing through our gifting actually results in Jesus being glorified. And so we want to make his name great. We want to help those around us, and we want to be a blessing in the kingdom. So those are our concluding thoughts on today's episode. I hope you've been encouraged. If you have not listened to the previous episodes on this gift, uh, excuse me, on this series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you, take the time to go back. They're all about 30 minutes, 25 to 35 minutes, every lesson. But I, I, I'm, I'm sensing such an intentionality from the Father on this that these messages are meant to set some of you free, especially some of you that come from the world that I came from, where the gifts of the Spirit were denied. The gifts of the Spirit were relegated to a place where they say, no, these gifts don't continue anymore. I'm telling you that is a demonic doctrine. Forgive me if that comes off too strong. But where else could a, a doctrine come from that says we don't need the supernatural power of God for ministry and warfare? Who else would tell you that but the one you're battling? Because if he can get you relying on your own gifting, your own talent, your own skill, your own wisdom, and so on, then he knows he will win the battle. But what's coming against the church is not going to allow for programs, um, education, and I'm all for education and I don't mind programs, but what I'm saying is we've begun to rely upon them and therefore we don't see our desperate need for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What's coming against the church in the United States of America will require that we're all operating in the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm doing these Mavericks and Misfits episodes on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I hope that you'll continue to listen, and you'll go back and listen to the other ones and be blessed. All right, God bless you. We'll see you on our next episode coming out in a couple of days. To connect with Jeff, visit maverickmisfit.com, where you'll find all his social media links, video resources, his book, Figuring It Out As I Go, and his weekly Transforming Truth blog. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.